Hi, everyone. Welcome to the program. It's Friday night. You do not even ever honestly hear a be on the lookout, uh, a bolo for a silver Mercedes SUV. It's rare that you get a be on the lookout for a wanted murderer in a silver Mercedes SUV. But tonight, that is what's happening in Maryland after a judge was shot dead in his driveway, wife and kids inside the house. And police say the man who took off and is on the run tonight is this guy who was in that judge's courtroom earlier in the day and heard the judge tell him, you cannot see your four children. Your wife gets custody and you can't even see them because of the kind of guy you are. In retrospect, pretty good decision, given the fact that if police are correct, he then grabbed a gun and shot the judge dead. Summary execution in his driveway for a judgment that, again, in retrospect, was probably the best judgment of his life. And it cost him his life. There is nothing perhaps more ferocious or corrosive than family court. All of my friends in the business say they would prefer to represent a serial killer than some of the parties they represent in family court. It is that bad. And perhaps best highlighted but what we have seen in the death of this judge. We're going deep into this topic tonight. We have a lot of information. We have the details on the, the, the alleged killer who's on the run, the description, the car, everything. As well as who's under protection tonight, fearing what this guy could do next. Also, on the topic of manhunts, it feels like, like it's a broken record. We're in day five now of the manhunt for the four escapees from a Georgia prison. They're still out there on the run. No update at all. Nobody's saying anything about where they might be. No leads, no nothing. Haven't heard a sniff about a helicopter or a dog or a mounted patrol. Nothing. But guess what I did here? Just minutes ago, they found a very, very big lead. That blue Dodge Challenger. Remember that car seen parked outside the jail? Look where it is now. It's on the back of a flatbed. They found it. They found it in the parking lot of a business. This is the car that was seen on surveillance parked in the employee parking lot at 10 o'clock the night of the escape for an hour. Okay. Not only that, the driver of that car got out and cut through the fence and dropped off a book bag. I wonder what was in it. Think it might have helped the escapees? Here's my guess. They're combing through that blue Dodge Charger to see if there's any evidence linked to these four guys and the guy who drove into the jail that night. Going into a deep dive there uh, regarding that Bibb County Jail. Um, remember when they told us there were less than 10 people guarding that jail that night? I got news for you. It was half that. I've got the actual number from an inside source in the jail. That's coming up in just a moment. And then big exclusive interview tonight with a man named Raffaele Solecito. Do you remember that name? Of course you do. That was Amanda Knox's boyfriend. Both of them arrested in Perugia, Italy. Decades ago, 16 years, both of them thrown into jail, tried, convicted. They served four years, ultimately freed. Solecito decided to stay in Italy. 
And he is talking tonight about the recent decision to retry Amanda Knox in Italy, not for murder this time, but for slander. You might be surprised at what he has to say and whether he thinks Amanda should come back to Italy to face this charge in person. Don't assume. Trust me. He's going to be on the show tonight as well. Let's start with the situation in Maryland. Being a judge is an extraordinarily dangerous job, no matter what kind of judging you do. But if you're in family court, the tension and the mood and the attitude and the anger, the retribution, the vitriol, you can multiply it by a thousand. Judge Andrew Wilkinson, that's him, swearing in with his wife by his side. He is dead tonight because he was presiding over a family court issue, a divorce. More than likely, because of his decision, the man who lost custody of his four children and the right to even see them, according to police, picked up a gun and shot that judge dead. That is 49-year-old Pedro Orgote, considered armed and dangerous tonight. He is all of 5'7 and 130 pounds, and he's driving a big old silver Mercedes GL450 with Maryland plates. The bolo is going out far and wide for this guy. Black hair, brown eyes. The plates, you can read them there. 4EH0408. This is one of the more frightening aspects of this job. The divorce that the judge was presiding over was just filed in June of last year. Okay? Argote wasn't even present in yesterday's hearing. But the police say sure was president. He sure was present at the judge's driveway at eight o'clock last night. The judge had two kids and a wife inside, and was gunned down in his driveway. Argate uh, has four kids of his own. Here's the story on him: four kids ages twelve, eleven, five, and three. The stipulation was that he could not visit those children. He could not contact his ex-wife unless initiated by her in case she needed to use that Mercedes SUV. Authorities say that's what he's probably driving now. Here is Sheriff Brian Alpert and how he put it today in a news conference. This was a targeted attack on Judge Wilkinson. Uh, we've identified Pedro Argote, 49, of Frederick, Maryland. As a suspect in this case, Argote is not in custody and is considered armed and dangerous. If anyone has information on Argote's location, we ask that they immediately contact local law enforcement. Uh, the suspect is known to drive a 2009 silver Mercedes SUV GL450 model displaying Maryland registration for Echo Hilo 0408. Some of the judgments against Argote, again, there's a vehicle. Some of the judgments included, quote, cruelty of treatment and irreconcilable differences. The records show back in 2022, Argote's wife, she got a temporary restraining order against him, saying that he had physically abused one of their daughters and that she felt unsafe because Argote owned at least two guns. At this point, we don't know if those two guns might have been used on the judge. Um, his ex-wife said that he harassed her through text, through email, that he controlled her emotionally and financially twice in the last two years. Authorities have had to respond to that residence because of verbal domestic um, threats and assaults. 
For unclear reasons, the protective order that Argote's wife got against him was dismissed just two weeks after it was filed at the wife's request. That breaks my heart, and it is a story I have heard more times than I care to mention. Wives or girlfriends who file a restraining order and then pull it for whatever reason, usually because they're convinced to. There's more information if you're watching from farther away from Maryland, because he is driving a Mercedes. He could be anywhere. But here are the places he is connected to. New York, Florida, Indiana, and North Carolina. There is a reward currently, and I always say currently because it can go up the longer someone's out on the lamb. Right now, it is $10,000. Joining me now is the man who's leading the investigation, Sheriff Brian Albert of Washington County, Maryland. Sheriff, thank you so much for taking time. I know that your, uh, your entire team is extremely busy right now. What is the very latest on the search for Argote? Well, uh, thank you, Ashley, for having us on and getting our message out. Uh, you know, not much has uh, changed since the press conference earlier in the day. Uh, but we, I, I can assure you that we've had full cooperation from uh, all federal agencies reached out to us. Uh, we have any resources that we need that, uh, you know, we could need or want. We are a relatively small agency here in Maryland. We are a full uh, service law enforcement agency. So we have our criminal investigators working on this round the clock. Uh, we have a uh, Hagerstown city police is assisting us and also the Maryland state police, uh, you know, we we are working tirelessly to uh, to apprehend uh, Argate, and uh, we uh, you know hope this comes to an end for for the family's sake uh, as soon as possible. So, Sheriff, there's two families that are in grave danger tonight. I would say, and that is the family of Argate. Um, clearly, the wife has been a target of much of his consternation, uh, and those four children, and the family. Of this judge, is there protection right now for both of these families? Uh, yes, there is actually. Uh, both of them, uh, uh, both families are in protective custody or or in a place that they would be safe for for the uh, foreseeable future. Uh, we don't feel that there's Can any I ask threat. You? To the yes, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Good, good to hear. I was going to ask you that next, if there was a threat to the public as well. And seemingly this is quite a targeted attack if I read the policing right, which leads me to the question, what led you so quickly to Argate as the shooter, as the alleged shooter? Uh, initial reports uh, starting coming in from uh, court staff, uh, Judge Wilkinson staff, and, uh, you know, just for our investigators acting quickly. But with uh with caution not to uh target the wrong suspect so we uh you know we gathered the information as much as possible and that was coming in and this led us to argote as the main suspect uh did, did know, anyone witness him shoot or did anyone witness someone who looks like him shoot did anyone witness the mercedes there uh, we're not releasing that information at this time. I, I will say that, you know, Judge Wilkinson's wife, uh, I spoke to her earlier today, and, uh, you know, she was the first one on the scene. She is the one that called 911, and, uh, you know, it, it's just a tragic situation, horrendous crime. Did she, did, did she respond to the gunshots, or did she actually see what was happening? Uh, I think she responded to the gunshots, but I'm not positive of that. But I, I think it was the gunshots she responded to. 
then, you know, the, the judge presumably would have overseen multiple cases in that day. What was it specific about what the court staff told you about this particular defendant that led you to, to believe he was the, the shooter? Well, to my knowledge, this was the only case that the judge heard on uh, uh, yesterday. And uh, so uh, Argote was not present in the court. Uh, he did not show up for court. He was served electronically uh, around 5 p.m. yesterday. Does Argote have any other family? Um, and I don't mean his ex-wife and four children, but other nuclear family who might be able to cooperate with you? Because usually when someone is this frantic, they're not thinking straight and they need help and they typically go to some of the closest people to them, and that would be family. We're following up on those leads. Uh, you mentioned a few states earlier that he had connections to. Uh, we're in contact with law enforcement in those local jurisdictions that are uh, assisting in the investigation. Are the family members that he has cooperating? Uh, the family members here locally are, yes. So I just want to be clear, uh, and I, again, I don't mean his um, his ex-wife and four children. Uh, I, I feel that he would not go to them for assistance, but other family members of his. And are you saying that other family members of his locally are cooperating? Uh, I, I don't. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, our investigators have not had any uh, roadblocks in the investigation. Everyone that we've contacted has been a cooperative in the investigation. And do you know if if um, officers have been able to to contact family members of his aside from his wife and children uh, locally in Maryland? Uh, I I can't comment on that at this time. Understand. At this point, are you able to connect any of the shell casings that may have been collected at the scene? and match them to any of his registered weapons? Uh, currently, we cannot. We, we have gathered evidence from uh, his residence in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, evidence at the scene, and we're working uh, to have an ironclad case moving forward to, for uh, uh, you know charging and conviction in this matter. Sheriff Albert, do you have um, any good leads tonight, or are you in the same boat that you were as soon as you realized the judge was in his driveway and there was a killer on the loose? No, the in investigation's progressing. Uh, we have some leads that we're working on and, uh, you know, just things that we can't release to the public at this time. But, but w the investigation is progressing. Sheriff Brian Albert, I'm so thankful that you could take time out of this extraordinarily busy, um, you know, time for your, you and your staff to, to update us. Please let us know if you do hear anything else in this case. Okay, we, we appreciate uh, you getting the word out. And if anyone uh, has a sighting or information, please contact your local law enforcement. Not only that, but at the end of this segment, we're actually going to put up the number uh, for your sheriff's office. So our viewers right now, just stay tuned. Uh, in just a few moments, you'll have that number to call if you have any tips. Sheriff, thank you. Appreciate this. Thank you very much. That is uh, Sheriff Brian Albert. Like I said, I promise you, I'm going to put the number up on the screen in just a moment. Uh, my next guest, Judge Mary Claire Akers of the Kanawha County Circuit Court in West Virginia, has a personal understanding of the threat that judges face every day. Because last year, a defendant threatened her and actually threatened her life.
His plan was to hurt himself badly enough to be transported to the hospital. And then somehow from there, he intended to kidnap her, hold her hostage, bleed her slowly, and then slit her throat. That was his plan. Judge Mary Claire Akers joins me live now. Judge, I've talked to you before. I had no idea that you had gone through this, but I suppose many of the judges uh, that I have seen in my work and life I have no clue what it's been like uh, for judges and the threats that they regularly face. And family court can be the very worst. Am I wrong? Oh, I think you're definitely right. Those are cases that involve people's families, people's children, uh, very emotional cases. And in some respects, that you know, people are just too emotional and not thinking clearly and make really bad decisions when they're upset. What happened to the man who threatened you? He actually ended up being convicted of three felony counts. He was sentenced to a three to 30 on top of the one to five that I had sentenced him to. So he is still in prison and he'll be there for a little while. So he had a one to five and because of what he did to you, he got the three to 30? That's correct. He, I sent him to a one to um, five. Yep. And he w- got upset. Wow. That's what led to that. Yeah, I... What is the I mean, what is the standard for protecting people like you and this judge in Maryland who just, you know, go to work and go home to their families like everyone else? But then, you know, this is this seething anger is lingering out there in the community. What's the standard operating procedure for security for you? Well, for me, uh, we have bailiffs in the courtroom. We have bailiffs uh, around us 24-7. All of the seven judges in my circuit do and the family judges do as well. Um, But you know, out in life, we just we don't have security that follows us around or or anything like that. We are regular people. We go to the store. We pick up our kids. We go home. Uh, so at those times, do you I have guess a sense? Home. Yeah. Sorry. And, and do you get the sense before you leave the courtroom that certain defendants are different than the others and might just present a threat? Like, do you have that sixth sense now? Oh, absolutely. I can, um, I knew the day that I sentenced the man that did that, that it was, um, he was different. Um, and I've known that about other people who have come in when they've been very angry and I can tell that. And I think if someone makes a choice that they want to risk spending the rest of their life in prison or, or, or something like that, and they're going to take someone else's life, it's really up to you to protect yourself because I don't think there's any protection for that except fighting back. If someone wants to do well, it, that's then. what I wonder if Judge if Judge Andrew Wilkinson had any sense. I mean, that's a huge decision to tell a man he can't see his own four children. Right. You have, you know, zero contact with your own four children. I wonder if he would have had that sense or if he would have been able to indicate to other authorities within the judicial system. I need a little extra um, eyes on because of this case. Well, I can't comment on that particular case because of the rules of ethics that govern us. Uh, But what I can say in general for for our procedure, if we feel like we need extra protection and we ask for it, they will definitely provide it. It's really just kind of a, a, just like you said, a gut call, Um, how you feel about someone, whether you think that you need some extra protection or not. It's just, it's mind blowing to, to see these cases of judges being, you know, attacked in their personal life by people they judge. It's uh it seems to be getting worse. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the work I'm in. But Judge Mary Claire Akers, thank you so much for doing this. And please be careful in your line of work. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
It was our pleasure. And I promised our viewers that I was going to put that phone number up. Um, if you have any information about the whereabouts of the man who's on the run, Pedro Argote, uh, here is the information for you. You can call the Washington County Sheriff's Office at 240-313-2100. Take a picture of your screen. Um, and if you know anything, or if you've heard anything, and no detail is too small. I say that so often, but it's so important. By the way, there is another manhunt that we have been following, and now it's in its fifth day. I've been reporting on these four dangerous escapees from a jail in Georgia now since Monday. They are still on the run tonight, but just moments ago, a major break. Authorities recovered the Blue Dodge Challenger that supposedly aided in the escape in some way. We've got details on that just ahead, where they found it, what they found inside. We were also told another little nugget. Remember that whole story about fewer than 10 guards that night for 800 inmates? Well, tonight we're learning that's only half the story, as in there were only half as many as that. That's right. And we've got more exclusive reporting from inside that jail as well. Plus the former mayor with other serious problems at the Bibb County lockup. That's next. So big breaking news uh, that we're just getting in from the Bibb County Sheriff's Office, and that is in the story of the four escaped inmates now in its fifth day, five days they've been on the run. And we don't know anything about their whereabouts at this point. Guy up on the top left is an accused murderer, so no picnic. All four of these guys have serious charges against them, uh, all the way up to assault and murder. And still no leads. But guess what? Remember that blue Dodge Challenger that was photographed on surveillance sitting in the employee parking lot? Oh, it's not there anymore. It's on a flatbed because they finally found it. They found it and it was at a, this is weird, it was in a parking lot of a Biomat USA. It's a plasma center and it was in Macon, Georgia. So it's sitting on the flatbed. You can only imagine that forensics guys have gone through it with a fine-tooth comb to find anything they can, uh, anything that might link to those four guys or the driver. Because the driver of that car, presumably that car, the night of the escape got out of the vehicle. Again, it was in the employee parking lot like at 10 o'clock for an hour. He got out of the vehicle and cut a hole in the fence and dropped off a book bag inside the perimeter. I still can't believe you could do that. Like, I always thought jails were secure and that, you know, ding, 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 or lights would flash or some Hollywood moment, but not. This didn't happen. Three weeks earlier, another fella, all clad in black, um, cut through three fences and got in somehow. And they got a picture of him. That guy. That guy. Three weeks earlier, cut in the same locations that the guy who drove that vehicle cut on Monday night. So they got the car, and that's good. Criminal intelligence units followed up on leads, we are told. Bibb County Sheriff's Office gave us that photo, gave us that. There it is, just sitting there in the employee parking lot on the night of the escape. It's nuts. It's nuts. But we did get exclusive inside information last night that the inmates did not get into that car when they escaped. No siri, Bob. They ran around the back of the jail instead and took off on foot. Clothes were found behind the jail, presumably the jailhouse guard, because it's orange and it stands out like a sore thumb. There's a long history of dysfunction at the Bibb County Jail. Um, former mayor calls it a rat hole. Uh, 
Uh, let me just tell you a couple of things. Within the last two years, several incidents of, in- incidents of inmates stabbing each other. Six assaults in July 2023 alone. April 2021, a corrections officer was stabbed and killed. Some of the complaints from inmates and their families, uh, understaffing, inmate drug use, inability to lock inmates in the cells, rats, roaches, bad plumbing, broken windows, mold. It's a quick list, I know. Early 2023, this one is just astounding. A teenager is wrongfully arrested, spends two months in that lockup, and when he's released to his mom, he's got face tattoos. Teenager. Wrongfully, they're suing at this point for the wrongful arrest, but the kid has face tattoos that are coming out of there. Like, there you go. This kid's just 18 now. Uh, There's also a leaked photo from January of 2021 when they were in the thick of COVID. And this kind of made the rounds. People were going a bit bananas because there was supposed to be all the social distancing and, you know, inmates being careful about COVID. And instead they were all jammed into a main room like that, like beds and mattresses and stuff on the floor, inmates lying cheek to jowl. And again, this was COVID. So this was Bibb County Jail. Things got a bit, you know, a bit crazy. I want to bring in C. Jack Ellis. He's the former mayor of Macon, Georgia, uh, knows a thing or two about that jail. He wanted that jail moved. Uh, mayor Ellis, thanks for, for being here. I, I got to ask you about this breaking information that we have. A source tells us that when the sheriff said the other night there were fewer than 10 people working the night of the escape, we've discovered that it's half that. It was only four to five people working in that jail, guarding over 800 inmates. I'd like to get your reaction to that as the former mayor. Obviously, that should be unacceptable, and it is unacceptable, and uh, someone should be held to account. Having said that, I just hope uh, for... Uh, not only for our citizens here in Macon and Bibb County. I hope that they are safe, but I also hope that the uh, the citizens in the surrounding area, our region, our state, and indeed our nation. We sit, of course, uh, on uh, I-75 and I-16, run north and south, and I-16 out to the coast. So they could be anywhere. So we uh, hope and, and pray that uh, no one is hurt while they're on the loose. And hopefully they are apprehended as soon as possible. But back to your question about this jail. Um, the jail has been a, a, a nuisance, if you will, for quite some time. And so we have to say, we have to, the question begs um, to be answered as to uh, uh, why. Why haven't we put the resources in if we're going to house that many inmates in that facility? Obviously, we should have more than four uh, 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 co- 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 correctional officers, and 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 so the mayor and the sheriff should have to answer to the citizens as to why we haven't funded uh, a, a full complement of uh, correction officers there. Yeah, and I'll tell you what we have this inside source that told us that they got these tools and they chiseled this huge like hole in the uh, upstairs wall near a, a faulty window. And they were able to just sort of waltz right through these massive, this massive hole in the wall. And a guard is on report. There's the picture right there from the outside. You can see the picture in a minute from the inside. It's crazy the size of this thing. It would have made a crazy racket to, you know, to, to pow- power through that wall like that. A guard is on report saying that he heard a big ruckus and he heard a whole lot of noise, but that he was too concerned to go check it out 
on his own. And now it makes some sense because if it's true that there were only four to five people guarding 800, how could anybody be able to check uh, uprisings or, you know, escapes like that? Obviously, uh, a lot of questions here. And and I think the citizens of Macon, number one, they deserve answers. But the citizens of this country and of our region, of our state, they deserve answers as well, because these men could be anywhere and could harm people in any jurisdiction. And, uh, you know, I'm very sad that our city is being portrayed as though we have made, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, 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 Bonnie Fife uh, and, 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 and that type of thing. Mayberry RFD, I think I'm trying to say. And I hope Keystone and I Cops. That, no, I, I, I yeah, hear you. I, I mean, here we are, day five. I have to. I have to leave it there, uh, Mayor, but I am very appreciative that you joined us tonight and uh, would love to keep in touch with you if you hear anything else about an update on these. I mean, five days makes me very concerned as the days go on, but we'll touch base with you again soon. Thank you, Mayor Ellis. Thank you very much. And still to come, Amanda Knox is set to stand trial in Italy yet again. I did not think I would ever say that, but this time it's not murder, it's slander. After the break, my exclusive interview with the man who was wrongly accused of murder and jailed right alongside her, her former Italian boyfriend, Raffaele Solecito. Does he think Italy will lose this case? He's next. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Never thought I'd be saying Amanda Knox is going to have to go to trial again in Italy. 16 years ago, her horrifying odyssey began as a student when her roommate Meredith Kircher was stabbed 47 times. Meredith's throat was slit, and they arrested Amanda and her boyfriend, Raffaele Solecito. From the get-go, they said they acted weird, and it just wasn't a good trial. It wasn't a good case. They didn't give her an attorney right away. Translation was terrible. They talked about her body language as being so convincingly guilty. Uh, ultimately, they convicted her of murder, but then that verdict was overturned. So they tried her again, and then she was acquitted. Then they convicted her of slander because while she was being interrogated, she signed a statement and in that statement, she pointed to her boss and he was innocent. And they say that's slander and he sued her. And ultimately, they convicted her of slander and that verdict was overturned. So they're going to try her again for slander. It's crazy. 
She's not going to serve any time if they convict her again because she's already served the time. It's just principle at this point. If there is really one person who knows a lot about this, it's Amanda Knox's former boyfriend and former co-defendant Raffaele. He suffered along with Amanda. He was jailed for four years until being cleared. And earlier today, he joined me for an exclusive interview, his first, since Italy announced that Amanda Knox would be retried. Raffaele, I appreciate you joining me on the program. I wanted to get your initial thoughts when you heard that the Italian court is going to retry Amanda for slander. Um, actually, my, my thoughts were of uh, uh, delightful. <laughs> like, uh, was, I was delighted by that because um, uh, actually Amanda was uh, convicted for these lenders, but it, it was never her fault. It was completely the fault of the uh, of the detectives who did a very bad investigation on on this case. So uh, I'm glad that uh, the court, in the end, I mean, after 15 years, it sounds super awkward to get on trial again after 15 years, but this time is for for a real good reason. Raffaele, do you think that Amanda should return to Italy for this slander trial, or do you think she should let the Italians play this out on their own? I think it's totally up to her, um, because uh, the, the, in, during the trial, it depends, because we have two, two kind of trials, uh, the public ones and the private ones. I know it sounds super, super weird, but uh, we have this choice. Let's say it's a choice. So sometimes the, the trials are private, so there is no uh, media. And sometimes the, the, the trials are public. It, it depends on the choice of the court. I mean, if the judge or, or the court accept the public trial, the, the doors are open to anybody to attend. But uh, she, she can get there and show herself if uh, she has to testimony on that. And I think one, one time she, will, she should come to, to testimony on this trial. But uh, the other hearings, uh, it's totally up to her. Do you think that this court is going to convict her um, in this retrial? I don't believe so, because um, actually this retrial is to overturn a judgment of conviction. So to me, uh, to me it's clear that there are very many doubts about this conviction. So um, I think this, uh, this is made only because they realize the truth of it. You have continued to live and work in Italy. Amanda came home to the United States to, to rebuild her life. I have two questions for you. The first is, have you been able to rebuild your life? Do, do you feel like what happened to you and Amanda so many years ago changed your trajectory forever? Or do you feel like you've been able to resume a normal life? And, and the same question about Amanda. Do you think she's been able to? Well, uh, let's talk about me first. Um, I did rebuild my life 
completely by myself without any help of the institutions or the Italian government or the I mean the the acquittal was just a way for me to let me go but uh, the injuries and uh, the harm that that were caused by this trial are unbelievable I had to face a lot of obstacles in my job career and many humiliations, but right now I'm a professional, uh, I'm a professionist. I'm a cloud architect who specializes in AWS cloud. And uh, I'm, I'm having a good, a normal good life uh, as a professionist. I have to be grateful to my family and the people who supported me and the people who really uh, believe in me and care about me. Uh, but I have nothing to give uh, on the government and the institutions, the Italian institutions who really uh, just harmed my life so badly. And then do you feel like Amanda has been able to repair her life? She's she's about to partner with Monica Lewinsky, who went through her own personal hell um, in a media circus. I'm curious if you're going to uh, take part in that project at all. I don't know anything about that project. And uh, uh, I, I, maybe if they explain that to me, I could consider. I don't know. <laughs> I actually uh, didn't, don't, don't have any clue about it. But um, I think Amanda decided to go into the part of helping people who are uh, who could incur in the same situation we, we were in into so uh, i think she made that choice like going on the flow with this path i decided to follow my dreams and uh, to follow what i really like to do like my, my job in it i do i really uh, strived to to accomplish this so in the entire my life and i i'm i'm glad for what i've done and uh, still um for me it's a great accomplishment after all uh, all the things that shifted my life uh, during this long path and uh, it passed 15 years and we are still talking about this story it's quite unbelievable it, it, it is. It's unbelievable to a lot in America as well. It's a fixation. Raffaele Solecito, thank you so much for spending the time and, uh, and talking to us. I really appreciate this. I thank you very much for inviting me to your show, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And still to come, an exclusive club in the very last place that you'd expect it, deep inside Rikers Island Jail in New York City. Leather couches, a giant TV, a fridge, a microwave, all located through a secret entrance in the bowels of the old jail. But the city has no idea who built it. No idea who was using it. And that is not all they found. We've got the photos next. Jail is not really a comfy place to hang out. Unless, of course, you're at Rikers Island, New York City's largest and most notorious lockup. Authorities there have made an alarming discovery inside an old condemned building at that jail. 
hold on to your hat. It, uh, it is a fancy secret lounge, <laughs> complete with a 70-inch TV, leather couches, a fridge, and a microwave. It's better than our break room. <laughs> and it wasn't just thrown together either. The lounge was actually, like, beautifully constructed with heating and cooling and plumbing for a full bathroom and tile work and raised floors. Thankfully, it was not for the inmates. That said, the Department of Corrections workers who secretly built and used this lounge could themselves become inmates if anyone could actually find them. But we can't because nobody's coughing up the info. City officials say they got an anonymous tip about the hangout. It was built in a part of the jail that was closed back in 2015. The entrance itself was like hidden behind boxes. And here's what's nuts. The lounge isn't even the strangest thing that officials found during their search. Next week, I have a big story for you about what else they stumbled upon in all the other rooms around that abandoned building. Boxes and boxes and rows and rows of merchandise. You know, like the stuff that falls off the back of a truck? The stash was actually worth a million dollars. We've got the photos to prove it. And I promise you, I'm going to bring you that story next week because it's like nutty. Rikers, who knew? Still to come, if you are firmly against having a gun in your home, you do you. But this next story is definitely for you. And it might, I emphasize might, change how you feel about having a gun in the home. Keep in mind, the men you're about to see are definitely not who they claim to be. Seattle police. No, no, they are home invaders. Seattle police! Tough guys, yeah, to be sure. But wait until you see what was waiting for them on the other side of that door. That's next. However you feel about having guns in your home, and it is your Second Amendment choice, uh, this next video is a must-see, and it already has some people changing their minds. A group of violent, armed home invaders wearing ski masks, charging the front door of a home in Washington State and announcing that they are the Seattle police. Spoiler alert, they are not the Seattle police. No, they're not. And in retrospect, I am willing to bet that they wish they had picked another home. Take a look. Seattle police! The gunfire was coming from inside the house. Homeowner wasn't buying the Seattle police trick and uh, wasn't going to wait for them to kick in the door either and fired multiple gunshots at these armed intruders. You saw the shattering glass and certainly did send them running for their lives. This happened about 2 o'clock in the morning on Thursday, and tonight police are still trying to figure out who those men were. There's no word if any of them was actually hit by the homeowner's gunfire, but I think it's fair to say they quite literally dodged a bullet. Mm. Thank you, everybody, uh, for being with us this week. It's been nice to have you along. We've been very busy, and we're going to continue to follow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.